All right, let's bring these needs before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we bring each and every need before you tonight. We're just asking, God, that you would um, touch those, God, who are in need of healing. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the great physician. And God, there is nothing too difficult for you, God. And we're asking, if it be according to your will, God, that you would heal those individuals, God, that we present before you tonight, Lord Jesus. There are those who are in need of salvation, God. There are those who are in need, God, of you, God, so desperately, God, and that we could be a light to them, God, that you would touch each and every one of us, God, to be able to reach this community, God. And we just ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we had over 2,200 flyers that were sent in the mail, and they should be all reaching homes this week and probably already by now. And so uh, we've invited people to our, I think it's the Biblical Insights. Is that what's, I can't remember. Yeah. So we invited people to our Biblical Insights. So we have a lot of chairs. Now, <coughs> we didn't know they would be green. <laughs> we had no idea they would be this color. In fact, on the picture, they looked blue or gray. So when I got there and we went inside and I said, are they like a blue or a gray? And the guy goes, actually, under this lighting, they look blue or gray. But if you take them outside, they're green. <laughs> I said, oh, well, the chairs we have now are green. So um, we didn't know we'd be getting green chairs, but that's what we ended up with. And so um, in the very back, we have all those old chairs. So we're going to get rid of them, but I just wanted to offer it to people in the church first. If you guys want to take some chairs, um, you know, we're just going to be giving them away. Just feel free. We'll probably keep some of them. You, you know, maybe a couple dozen is all of those chairs. But, yeah, let me know, and um, we're going to be getting rid of them because we need room. we got too many chairs. <laughs> So um, I think that's all that I could think of. So, all right. Is that it? Praise the Lord. So we are uh, in the middle of 40 days of uh, harvest reapers, uh, reaching out to people. And, you know, we've talked about how important it is um, to, uh, he said, the Lord's prayer request, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. And we know that his harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so as we pray that prayer, something happens in our heart where we begin to have that burden. And so we started out by talking about that. And then we talked about what it means to be witnesses. Do you guys remember what it means to be a witness? It means to uh, live for the Lord Jesus Christ, to allow your light to shine through to the entire world, even if it takes going to all the way to death, if, if that's necessary. And um, the Greek word is martus, which means martyr. And as people begin to see 
that we are willing to die for this Jesus Christ. We're willing to die for him. We'll, they, that might be the inspirational thing that causes them to say, hey, if, it, if they're willing to die for this Jesus, he must be worth our living for. Because it seems like in the scriptures, in the New Testament, it has been said that the faster they killed them, the faster they murdered them, the faster the church grew. They couldn't keep up. It was like the blood of the saints was the seed of the new harvest. And that's been said. There's been some sayings that go along with that. So we've been kind of been talking about that for a couple weeks now. And so um, there's a lot of things that could be said. An absolute a lot of things. So I'm going to say something that, you know, we said here many times before um, tonight. But this is just a reminder because it fits with this. And so I'm going to read from a passage of scripture. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. We'll start with um, Isaiah. No, not Isaiah. No, not yet. Um, Luke chapter 14. And if we start at verse 7, I'll read... Um, through verse 11. Luke 14, verse 7 through 11. And it says, And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of him that sit at meat with thee, of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen. You guys can be seated. So I, I want you to notice that this is the passage we've talked about before, that in this passage, it has two rules for guests. Two rules for guests. Now, has anyone here ever been a guest before? Yeah, yep. And uh, I remember when Alex and Diana invited us down there to their house for dinner. Man, they had a spread. Brother Alex, man, that was some good food. Man, they, we had, I don't know how many dishes were there that night. It was a lot. And uh, <clears throat> uh, we, we went down there, we were guests. They, they treated us so good. But one of the things I didn't do was walk in and say, aha, I'm home. What's in the fridge? <laughs> no, I'm a guest, right? And this is not my home. And so sometimes we're invited places to go. And, and um, as a guest, we have two rules, two rules for guests. And it applies. So it says, when... Thou art bidden, in verse 8, right? Of any man to a wedding. This is Jesus speaking. Sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. So you walk into a room, 
and you don't take the nicest, most prestigious place to sit. Now, I don't know if I did that at, at their house, Alex. I'm not sure if I did. But what I did do is said, where do you want me to sit? <laughs> because I'm just so intimidated. I'm like, you know, dude, I don't want to sit in the wrong place. And um, so they told me where I could sit. They said I could sit anywhere I wanted to. <laughs> but when you're bidden, don't sit in the, the best seat. Don't take the, take the lowest room, right? So verse 10 says, when thou art bidden, go. There's the, there's the rule. There's the first rule. I want you to look at that word G-O. What does that mean when you see the word go? Move. <laughs> Get up and go. Let's see. Uh, what's it mean to you, Nathan Ale? To move. <laughs> All right. So uh, go. Now, believe it or not, guys, this sounds simple, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound simple? But that principle, when I first heard the principle taught at ALI, my very first year, I just, it hit me. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty powerful principle. When you are bidden, uh, you go. And I'm like, wow, that's, like a, that's a, like a big deal. So when you are bidden to a feast, a feast can typify um, being invited into a life. It can typify being invited into someone's life. You go. So you can maybe remember some of the parables Jesus told about those who received invitations but refused to go. Do you guys remember any of those? Let me read one. Matthew 22. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Have you ever invited people to something that you're having? A bunch of people and not everyone came. You know, some people came, but not everyone came. Does, have, has anyone else done that? Well, I have spent, I mean, I grew up in, raised in church. And I remember in grammar school just inviting. I got to a certain age where why I wasn't as ashamed and embarrassed to invite people to church and I started inviting some of my friends to church and you know they just most of them didn't come and I was able to finally to talk one of them into coming and he came and I remember he when he received the Holy Ghost he said why didn't you tell me about this earlier and I said I've been trying to tell you but you just wouldn't come <laughs> So how many have invited people and people didn't come? You know what I'm talking about, right? And so um, you imagine the king. This is a very, very important occasion for him. This is his son. He's getting married. And he's invited. He sent out the invitations. He bid people to come. And it said, 
in verse 3, they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. That's a pretty big deal. You know? I'm sure Kylie, when she gets married, she... Well, I don't know if she wants me to be there. I'm sure, like, if she invited me, then she would... Like, if I didn't show up, she'd be like, uh, what's up, you know? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I better be there then. Okay. So, tell them which are bidden, behold, I prepare my dinner. And so, come into the marriage, right? Verse 5, but they made light of it, right? And went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. A lot of people do that. Ah, I don't want to go to Kylie's wedding. Some of the things I'd rather be doing, you know. It's not that big of a deal, right? So if Kylie ever gets word of that, I mean, what's Kylie going to think? But they made light of it. They went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. So let's not make light of the invitation. And you don't actually know who it is that might be inviting you into their life. And to be honest with you, I just didn't always think about it, you know. Over the years, there would be people that would say, hey, you want to do this or you want to do that? And I never thought about it. But when I started, be, I started thinking about the importance of that invitation, I've shared this many times before, but um, there was a pastor right there in Citrus Heights, and a Russian pastor, and he invited me to go here. He had invited Brother David K. Bernard to come speak for their Russian congregation. And he invited me to go. And I was the only minister that, was that showed up. I was like, where is everybody? And of course, it was at Brother Sullivan's church. So he was Brother Sullivan, myself, and this Russian pastor. And uh, so it was a great service. Brother Bernard preached. There was an interpreter in Russian. And um, uh, we... I could see how important it was to him that I showed up. And every, every time after that, I would see him. He's in the Ukraine. He's not Russian. He's Ukrainian. He's, in, he's a, in Ukraine now. And he friended me on Facebook since all this stuff has been going down. But uh, I've shared this before. He and I both have eight children, Brother Tomyev. And um, he, we would go, I'd go to a minister's thing. He'd always come and sit next to me, and we'd talk. And so... Um, I noticed that it makes a difference when you receive the invitation if you go. And so, if you're able to. Now, sometimes you're not able to go. I, you know, sometimes we have previous commitments, and we have to keep those commitments, don't we? Because the Bible says we have to let our yea be yea and our nay be nay, lest we fall into condemnation. So it's very important if you say you're going to be somewhere to do everything in your power to be there. Keep your word. Keep your commitments. That's important. So um, I asked the question my first year. When is there any a time when I don't 
go. And that was the only answer I got. When you have previous commitments, you have to keep your commitments. And so I started thinking about that. And um, there's been times I have failed. And there's been times when I've been invited to something and I just really didn't want to go. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Or is that just me? <laughs> and especially as I'm getting older and slowing down and more sleepy, you know. <laughs> um, but it's important. And sometimes uh, we want to qualify that person, right? We want to... But the Bible, there's no mention of qualifying that social standing of that prospective host. We might say, ah, you know, they're not really, I'm not sure about the atmosphere. It might not be that good. Jesus always went. Have you ever turned down an invitation? Anybody? I was explaining this principle to another pastor out of state. And he said, oh, I heard you preached over here. And I go, yeah, yeah, they invited me. So he goes, well, I'm inviting, uh, invitations open. I'm inviting you right now. And I go, oh. <laughs> I go, well, they paid my way. <laughs> Sometimes finances gets in the way, you know. Um, so have you ever turned down an invitation? I have. Um, was the person that invited you, invited you of a lower social standing? What about, you know, just, just saying this, I mean, what about these little ones like, you know, Daniel? You know, you know sometimes we think we're, we're older and, you know, and, hey, you want to come play with me? I don't really feel like playing. <laughs> He, he was asking me that. I'm like, let me pray about it. <laughs> the last time he asked me, he goes, are you still praying about that? <laughs> but I started thinking about that. Sometimes you never know who it is that might invite you into their life. You know, that might be... Um, Adelina coming over and, hey, you want to play this game with me? Like she was the other night. <laughs> and we played it how many times? <laughs> Where I knew every answer to every... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? So it's not just people that you would, you know you know, a neighbor invites you over for dinner, but it could be anybody that invites you into their life. And sometimes I, I'm just human. There are certain people I just get irritated with. You know, after a while, you're just like, oh, my God. You see him calling on the phone, you're like, oh, what's, <laughs> what's this going to be about? I'm going to be on the phone for an hour and a half. <laughs> but like the Lord was dealing with me about that. And so I really started trying to respond correctly to the invitation. So how does that relate to outreach? Well, you know, we showed up at a birthday party. Of our girls were babysitting some children. We showed up at a birthday party. Our whole family showed up 
a couple years ago, and there was hardly anybody there. And we could tell it meant so much to them. They're not in our church. They don't go to church. But we could tell that us showing up to their child's birthday party meant a whole lot to them. But we figured we're invited. We'll just we'll show up. You know, we don't have to be there that long. But then when we showed up and there was hardly anyone else there, we felt bad. We're like, we better hang out a little bit longer. Because <laughs> if we leave, the whole party's gone. <laughs> so, um, but sometimes that happens, you know, when you get invited into somebody's life. I received a phone call just a little bit ago. And said, and the, the, when I picked up the phone, I said, hello. He goes, you don't call? You don't? I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Sometimes it's not, uh, sometimes you got to invite yourself into their life. Jesus was always going into the homes of those commonly and rightly considered to be sinners. He associated with some folks you would have been embarrassed or ashamed to have had in your fellowship. As you examine his life in the scriptures, you will find him accepting Every invitation, every one of them. Jesus never turned down an invitation. You guys know that? So <clears throat> I thought that's, to me, like when I look at Jesus, I, I'm just amazed by that. People ask him, will you come into my life? He wants to be in your life. He doesn't turn down those invitations. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice. Right? Revelation 3.20. So, you find him accepting all these invitations without regard for the qualifications of the one who bid him come. He doesn't say, well, I'm not sure, Alex. What, which, which island were you born on? I'm not sure if, I'm, if I can come over uh, Sister McAtee, I'm not sure. Did, did you used to be a cheerleader? Hmm. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so, Going one step further, you will see that even Jesus invited himself to be a guest at the house of Zacchaeus one day. We see that in Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1, where it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, how many know that Jesus knows everything in advance? How many knows that he already knew what was in Zacchaeus' mind? It says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. He sought to see Jesus. I think Jesus knew that. He ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And my wife and I got to be at the Zacchaeus tree there in Jericho, that sycamore tree. We don't know if it's the real tree that, was, that Zacchaeus climbed up into, but we took pictures next, next to it because it's called the Zacchaeus tree. And it's in Jericho. And they said it could have been a tree like that. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it 
So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. So uh, when, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with the man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken... Look at the response of Zacchaeus. Look how he responded. How much do you think it meant to Zacchaeus that Jesus looked up in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up, come down. I'm going to your house today for lunch. He, was, he received him joyfully. He said, If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation... I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. So there have been times um, that I've thought about this, you know. Zacchaeus really sought to see Jesus. And just kind of like that phone call I received before services tonight says, no phone. Well, if we're waiting for people to invite us into their life, it might be they're waiting for us to make the phone call. And so that's why it's so important to be sensitive and to be led by the Lord. And, um, and uh, I was thinking about that when that person called me, and that's the first thing they said. What? No phone calls? No text how are you doing what's going on uh, so calling to check in so what's going on I'm like uh, uh, well <laughs> so um, you know I just kind of laughed about it you know but they didn't call me either in a second they didn't call me um, and so uh, it it so happens that when we think of that invitation, it's not just about us responding to an invitation, but sometimes inviting and intruding ourselves into their lives, like Jesus did with Zacchaeus. He did know that Zacchaeus wanted to see him and that he sought place to see Jesus. And so maybe, just maybe, somebody wants to, oh man, I wish I could talk to Kylie. Not a boy. Not the boys, Kylie. <laughs> Talking about... Some girl at work and wanting to talk to you, and you know, it's good. we got to be sensitive. And um, I, I shared with you that a, a week or so ago or more, I received a message uh, from Messenger on Facebook from a guy I went to grammar school with, and we just kind of been messaging back and forth, back and forth. And you know, he's sharing memories with me that he remembers of things we did together. Some of them not good. We were throwing snowballs at cars driving by. <laughs> he remembered that. <laughs> One of the cars stopped and tried to find us. We were hiding. <laughs> he said those were the good old days. And I was like, man, I was a bad influence. <laughs> throwing snowballs at cars driving by. And when it snowed, it was so fun. But yeah, when they stopped and came back to start looking for us, we were scared. Um, but um, I was thinking about sometimes people, he reached out to me 
you know, he reached out to me. And there might be people that reach out to you. Uh, maybe they're from your past. Maybe uh, from a time that, um, you know, before you knew Jesus, possibly. Um, but it might be a time that we can share Jesus with them, you know. And so accepting that invitation, I have stories of how this has really worked out, and it means something to people. Because when I, in, when I invite you, say I, um, I invite my brother-in-law to something, and, bro, and he says, I'll try to be there. What does that mean to everyone else in the room? I'll try to be there. What does that mean to you? I won't be there. <laughs> I'm not coming. <laughs> You say, I'll try to be there. That means, okay, um, you're not coming, right? Is, is that just me? <laughs> or is that everyone else? If they say, I'll try to be there, that means I'm not going to be there. And so, um, and so, but when you do show up, you know, and I have said that in the past, and I thought, I need to be, I need to really try to be there. They're expecting me to not be there, right? And then I had, I've done that before where I said that, and I thought, they're not really thinking I'm going to be there because I said I'm going to try to be there. That means I'm not going to come. But then I showed up and they were surprised and they were pleasantly surprised and they were very happy. And, you know, and I said, well, I said I would try. So that meant I kept my word, too. And so when you're invited into someone's life, I've, I've received phone calls. I've received invitations to, to something, you know, to go to that... You know, I had other things I could have done, but I thought, you know, this is important because when we're invited, we should go. There was a guy that I was working with in Vacaville on the job, a construction, you guys know how construction workers are? Does anyone know? Brother Bloss has worked with them. Anyone else? Yeah. Um, they're normal people, but some of them are pretty, um, you know, uh, have some rough lives out there, you know, they, they got some... Uh, some of them, you know, every other word's um, a cuss word or, you know, they drink and smoke and do drugs and all kinds of stuff that they do. And one of them invited me and my family to an event that he was going to be barbecuing at, cooking at, at like an Elks Lodge. And I told, told my wife... He invited the whole, my, our whole crew. And I don't think he was, because they were saying, well, there's going to be probably some drinking there. But families are invited, all families, but there'll probably be some people drinking there. So I thought, you know, I think I'm going to go. So I, me and my wife and my, some of my, or all the children we had at the time went. And I could see as we got there that all of my crew on that job was looking at our family. They were looking at our family. They were shocked that we came. And um, I've had other experiences like that where I've uh, had a, another coworker said, hey, man, would you guys come over? I go, yeah, yeah we'll come over. He goes, you, you will really come to my house? I go, yeah. And so, you know, sometimes when you, people are surprised, you know, and when you show up, it really does mean a lot to them. And this may give you the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them. So be looking for those invitations. It might come from a child. Hey, you want to play? 
right? Now, children, don't be expecting me. <laughs> I'm getting too old now for certain things. I'll probably... <laughs> When's, when's his birthday? What day? December 3rd. Ah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. All right. How old are you going to be, Daniel? Whoa. And you learned how to ride your bike before your seventh birthday even. Man, that's miraculous. That's awesome. So anyways, um, That's the, uh, the two rules are if you're invited, go and take the lowest room is the second rule. So those are rules for guests. And if we, abide, if we, if we lived by those rules, you know, there's times when I've, I went to a place and all the chairs and the, the couches were full and I sat on the floor. And um, the host came up, Brother Thorson, no, here. And took one of the kids off the couch. You sit on the couch. And um, I, I would just, I'm like, there's nowhere to sit. I'm just going to sit on the floor and listen. And um, so I've been in situations like that, and I've seen this. This is not just a New Testament principle, but it's an Old Testament principle. We learn to take the lowest room. And Jesus, when he's invited into your life, when you invite him into your life, guess which room he takes? The lowest room. He takes the lowest place. So the principle of dynamic success is we don't want to keep Jesus in the lowest position in our life. A lot of people inviting Jesus to be in their life. But he's like an afterthought. He's like way down there. He's like important enough that, hey, I want him in my life, but, you know, not quite important enough to put him in his rightful position. And so he always follows the rules that he established. Always. And so when we see that wedding, the beginning of miracles, that's when we see the principle of dynamic success. He always follows the rules for guests. He's always responded to every invitation. He never turned down an invitation. He always went. He got criticized for sitting with sinners, in this case with Zacchaeus, right? And so... Um, that's my uh, little notes on that little. There's, of course, we go through that in Lesson 6 in much more detail, the principle of dynamic success. But I thought it related to this when we're invited into someone else's life. But I wanted to really talk about Isaiah 58 fasting. Um, I received a phone call um, while I was at home, and I was uh, going through Isaiah 58, and someone called and said, <clears throat> he said, hey, I just got a quick question. He go, or he goes, what are you doing? And I said, getting ready for Bible study. Oh, man, I'm sorry. And he goes, all right. He goes, my quick question is fasting. So I said, well, I was just going through Isaiah 58 right now. And uh, so I said, let me walk you through it. And I took a few minutes, and I just walked through Isaiah 58 with him, talking about fasting. In Isaiah 58, Let's go through it real quick. It's only 14 verses. But 
Um, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So show them their transgressions, their sins. Yet, now look at this list in verse 2. They, show them their sins, yet they seek me daily. That's a great thing. How many people in church today that don't even seek him daily, right? And they delight to know my ways. How many people in church don't really delight to know his ways? As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. All good things. He said, show them their transgressions, show them their sins, but they do all these great things. Verse 3, wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. So they fasted even, and they said, okay, it feels like we're wasting our time here. What are we fasting for? What's the purpose? It feels like it's like he doesn't even see that we're doing it, right? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? We've afflicted our soul. Behold, in the day, here's an answer. In the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Verse 4, behold, ye fast for strife and debate, to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Well, I thought that's why we did fast, to make our voice to be heard on high. Well, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard. So why do we fast then? Right? Wait, I, I'm fasting so God will hear me better. Right? <laughs> but this says, no, you shall not do that. Right? Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Question. A day for a man to afflict his soul? Question. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? It's a question. The obvious answer is no to all those questions. But here is God's chosen fast, starting at verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Now, number one, to loose the bands of wickedness. Number two, to undo the heavy burdens. Number three, to let the oppressed go free. Number four, and that ye break every yoke. Number five, uh, to deal thy bread to the hungry. Number seven, and also number six, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. And number seven, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. Number eight, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. So that's God's chosen fast. Those are the purposes for fasting in those two verses. And if you do fasting correctly for the right, with the right purpose and the right motive as described in these two verses, and the right way to do it is described in Matthew chapter 6, anointing your head and washing your face that you appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly, that one. So if you do it that way, you have these results in verse 8. These are powerful results. Starting at verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. How many would love that? Then you're going to have your prayers answered. Then you're going to call, and the Lord, he's going to answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. 
If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. How many want some fat bones? Yes. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. In verse 12, this verse right here, I used to um, take, set aside some time for fasting throughout the year, and I would focus on different parts of this chapter during that fast. In one year, I just really meditated on this verse 12. It just really studied it, thought about it. It says, they that shall be of thee. I thought of my children. I thought of my descendants shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. So I know we only have eight children, but I'm thinking this, the Lord, you can do this. You can do this through these eight. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. Wouldn't that be great to be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in? If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call this Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own, own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I wanted to share that real quickly because some people had asked me about fasting during this time. And I said, I might share a little bit on fasting. I, I didn't go through any notes or anything. I just wanted to race through and let you guys see Isaiah 58 is such a powerful passage that deals with fasting. And um, also Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to fast the right way, you know, this is a, a great chapter. To It's only 14 verses. Take a little time, study it, look into it, read it. So, amen. That's it. Questions, comments? No? Okay. Nathaniel, this is a uh, two-part question worth 20 points. Question. According to Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11, how many rules for guests are mentioned, and what are they? It's like a Bible quiz type question. See if he was paying attention or sleeping during that part. <laughs> time's, time's up. That is incorrect. This question will be reread for the opposing team. <laughs> oh, Sister Christy. And they are? Yep, the lowest room, it says. Okay, very good. That is correct. Do we have any contests? Okay, all right. This quiz is closed. We have a numerical winner. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, all right. I'm going to have my mother pray in closing.
Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.